0: So if you have your Bibles with you, turn to John. If not, there should be some in the pews in front of you. Um, The book of John, chapter 10. We got started on chapter 10 last week. Uh, We blazed through the first six verses. (laughs) There was a lot there for us, a lot that we... Uh, glean from that, learned from that. Um, that teaching was entitled The Nature of the Sheep. And we're going to see two things in this passage in John chapter 10. We're going to see the nature of the sheep. And tonight we're going to be looking at the nature of the shepherd. So uh, the story goes that there was this former, former blonde girl who was driving down the road. But being a natural blonde, she had grown tired of all the blonde jokes, which that happens, I, I can understand that. Um, so she'd grown tired of that over the years, and so she decided to dye her hair a different color. So as she's driving down the road, you know, proud of this new hair color she has, and this new confidence that she has uh, because of this hair color, up ahead she see, sees a shepherd walking down the road with a flock of sheep. So she pulled over to ask the shepherd, can I ask you a question? And he said, of course, yes. She said, if I can guess exactly how many sheep are in your flock, will you give to me my choice of one of the sheep? The shepherd thought for a moment and said, well, sure, yeah, if you can guess the exact number of sheep in my flock, I would be more than happy to give you one of my sheep. You can keep one for yourself. So the girl thought for a moment and she said, 142. There are 142 sheep in your flock. And the shepherd was amazed. He said, That that's correct. I have exactly 142 sheep in my flock. And you know, that was the deal. You, you know, if you guessed it, then you get to pick one of my sheep. You can so you can pick out one, you know, right now. So the girl did so and she loaded one of the animals into her car and headed down the road. Now what the girl didn't know that was about a mile down the road, there was a, a dead end. So she gets to this dead end, she turns around, and she's got to go back the direction that she came from. And of course, she comes upon the shepherd and his flock again. Now the shepherd, as, she, as he saw her approaching, he waves her down and says, Hey, I, can I ask you a question? And she said, Well, yeah, well, sure. And he said... If I can guess what color your hair really is, can I have my dog back? <laughs> so you're probably wondering, what does this story have to do with the text tonight that we're looking at? Nothing. It was just a funny story I heard. Actually, Skip Heitzig told that story. So I thought it would be OK to use, because you know Skip's got this huge church. And I figured, well. Skip can get away with it. Well, maybe I can. Of course, Skip's a blonde guy. You know, I don't know if that means anything. So, this is just a funny story about a sheep and a shepherd. But last week, we looked at the first six verses of chapter 10, and our focus was on ourselves, the sheep. We are sheep. But we talked about two types of sheep last week, dependent sheep and independent sheep. Sheep that are dependent upon the shepherd and the benefits of that, and sheep that act independent of the shepherd and the problems that that can cause. We talked about that in depth because we as sheep know that sometimes we do act independent of what the shepherd would have us to do, don't we? It's just something that's in us. Uh, It's the flesh that lives in us that we want to move in a certain direction Even if the Holy Spirit is prompting us, hey, don't go there, don't go there, and we act independent of that guidance, of that counsel, of what God's Word has to say, and we move in our own direction. Well, the shepherd loves us. He doesn't let us move that direction for very long. We talked about the uh, painting that I mentioned when I was growing up that we had in Sunday school class. It was a painting of Jesus with a lamb over his shoulders. And what that picture is, is trying to get across to us is that sheep have a tendency to run away so if a shepherd has a sheep in his flock that continues to leave the flock and run away into danger he will break the legs of that sheep that lamb and then carry that lamb on his shoulders till he heals what a wonderful picture that is because that's what Jesus does with us doesn't he even though we've had this tendency to move away from the flock to act independent of what he would want us to do. He loves us in such a way, he will do what is necessary to keep us in his flock, won't he? Even if that means cutting us off at the legs, right? I don't know about you guys, but that's happened to me before. They weren't actually broken, but he did do what was necessary to draw me back to him. So we have these dependent sheep and independent sheep. Both are still sheep. Both the shepherd still cares for, as we know. But as we're going to see in verse 11 in our study tonight, the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Key verse in our our text tonight. Last week we finished with verse 6. Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. And You know how it is when you talk with someone about something, but they're not really listening because they've already formed their their own uh, conclusions regarding the subject matter that you're talking about, husbands and wives. Wives, have you ever had a time when you're trying to tell your husband something and he just doesn't seem to be tracking with you, he's just not there, he's not focused? Nobody, but me, okay, well, that's all right. (laughs) But you know how it it just, just happens. It can be in any type of situation. Somebody might be talking about something, you might already feel that you know everything that there is to know about that particular subject. So you kind of zone out, just not really listening. And that's what's going on in our text. The, The Pharisees, these religious leaders, they didn't hear or understand or believe because they just didn't want to. They'd already made up their minds concerning Jesus. They were awaiting the coming of the promised Messiah and they'd already determined what He would be like and what He would do. They were looking for someone that was going to become and be a, a king like David. A, a warrior, a conqueror like David. Because they wanted to be out of, from, from out underneath the bondage of Rome, didn't they? But what they were in bondage to was sin. They were in bondage to the law. That's what Jesus came to deliver them from. But They'd already made up their minds concerning this. And it's interesting because how God's chosen one would come to be with His chosen ones. We've talked about that. Israel was God's chosen people, wasn't He? So they didn't like what Jesus had to say or do, but Jesus continues with further explanation as we get into our text tonight. So we're going to read from verse 7 down through verse 21 tonight. Then Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal, steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But a hireling, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep and I am known by my own. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have which are not of this fold. Them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. Therefore my Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again this command I have received from my father therefore there was a division again among the Jews because of these sayings and many of them said he has a demon and is mad why do you listen to him others said these are not the words of one who has a demon can a demon open the eyes of the blind let's pray father we thank you for your word and what it has to say to us Lord, we want to learn more tonight about the Good Shepherd, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And just like we were talking before, Lord, we aren't a people that know everything that there is to know about Him. We desire to learn more about Him by You teaching us through Your Word, through the power of Your Holy Spirit. So, Lord, we submit ourselves to You this evening and ask, Lord, that You would show us Your truth from Your Word in Jesus' name. Amen. So verse 7. Then Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. What we're going to be looking at tonight is several things, several key points proving this nature of the shepherd. As we saw our nature last week and how we are as sheep, this week we're going to see the nature of the shepherd. So Jesus said in verse 7, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. So we see in this text, starting with verse 7, Then Jesus said to them again, Again, he's going to be repeating some of what he has said before. The topic that he's going to be teaching on or continuing to teach on is is carried on from what he has already said in those first six verses. He said to them again, let me ask you, does the Lord ever have to tell you something two or more times for you to hear it? (laughs) Yeah, I know that's the way it is with me. But that's also the patience of our Lord. He doesn't say, forget you, you dumb sheep. I'm not going to repeat myself. He says it again and again and again. He doesn't say, I'm tired of explaining this to you. Or, you just don't get it, do you? You'll never get it, you dumb sheep. He just doesn't do that. He has patience with us. He loves us. Because of this love, he continues to say the same thing until we get it. You know how it goes. The Lord's trying to tell you or me something. We're not listening. Maybe we're even ignoring Him. And then it happens. You'll hear a couple teachings on Grace FM or you hear it from a friend or you see it on a bumper sticker. Maybe you read it in your own devotional time. And it becomes clear what God's trying to say. So He continues to teach us in spite of us. He says it again and again until we get it. Because he wants us to be faithful in the last thing that he told us to do. So he said to them again, you would think after everything that we've looked at this, you know, up to this point in the book of John, that he would just be fed up with these religious leaders, wouldn't you? Think, forget you guys, you dumb sheep. I'm not going to have anything to do with you anymore. Just, you just don't get it. But he shows patience with even them. They are God's chosen people. God sent his son to those people. He is teaching those people, and they still don't get it because they had blinders on. They just didn't want to see him for who he was claiming to be. So he said to them again, he says, I am the door of the sheep. That's the first thing that he says to them here in this passage. I'm the door of the sheep. But he says it twice in that passage I am the door. Most assuredly I say to you, listen up, I tell you the truth, I am the door. I'm not a door, I'm not one of the doors, but the door. Now in the first six verses we saw Jesus as the shepherd who enters the door. Remember we talked about that last week. But here he refers to himself as the door. Both are true of Jesus. You see in verse 3, there's the reference to the doorkeeper. Now, if you had a flock of sheep and you were moving towards a town or a village because you were going to spend some time there, you'd probably hook up, you'd use your network and resource with other shepherds, and you'd find a place in town where you could put a lot of sheep in one fold, in one large pen or area. And because the shepherds would have business to take care of, things to do, they would appoint or hire a doorkeeper, someone that could go and watch that door of that fold so none of the sheep could get out. And also, as we talked last week, so no one could get in except the shepherds, watching that no one tried to climb over the walls, tried to steal the sheep, those thieves that are referenced here. So they would have this doorkeeper to watch over the flocks for them. Now, the, the doorkeeper knew the shepherds and he would open the door for him. They had hired him, they had appointed him to watch the door of, you know, for the sheep. So if the shepherds came back, the doorkeeper would know them. So the sh- true shepherds could come in and out of this sheepfold to get their sheep. They would call their sheep by name as we saw last week, and the sheep would follow the shepherd. So in this case, Jesus is the shepherd who enters through the doorkeeper in that case. But now when the shepherds are out in the fields they're out in the wilderness they don't always have these shepherds to rely on there could be great spans of distance between them so they have to build a makeshift pen of their own to put their sheep in and because there's no one else around then they have to be the door as well so the shepherd is not only the one that goes in and out with the fold leads the sheep But in this case, out in the fields, the shepherd has to actually be the door. So you can imagine him putting all these sheep into a fold made out of uh, trees and stones, maybe it's even a cave, and there's just the one entrance, there's the one door to get in and out of there. The shepherd would lay down at night in front of that door to protect the sheep, to be there for them. So when the shepherd leads his flock into the fold, for the night, he'll place himself in that opening to be the gate, to be the door. He is the door, literally. So he says that, also in that text, that those who came before him are thieves and robbers. Now he's not condemning all the former prophets and all. He's speaking directly to these religious leaders. Because we saw a couple weeks ago how these religious leaders reacted when someone confronted them. You remember the blind man? Jesus healed the blind man? And so there's a series of interviews that took place. The religious leaders interview the blind man, who's no longer blind, asking him how it happened. They weren't really interested in the miracle. They were interested in who healed him and why they did it on the Sabbath, right? When we looked at that. Now, we also saw from that text that... This blind man was called in to these religious leaders to interview him. They also called in the blind man's parents. And the blind man's parents said, Yeah, this is our son, and he was born blind, but now he sees. That didn't satisfy him. So they called in the formerly blind man one more time to interview him, talk to him again. And then he starts talking smack to those guys. He starts asking them questions, which leads to what? He gets kicked out of the synagogue. They said, Yo, you were born in sin. You know, you're out of here. You're you're out of the synagogue. Now, does this sound like shepherds from what we see? Certainly not good shepherds by any means, right? You're on your own, sheep. You're out of the fold. Get out of here, you former blind man. We don't have anything to do with you. So, the shepherd that we know in Jesus Christ, he guards, he protects. No one can get in to kill, steal, or destroy. And the sheep can't get out into the world on their own without the shepherd knowing it, right? So when the shepherd does lead them out, he leads them out as their protector and as their provider. As we looked at last week, Israel, the Jews, were, by our text that we looked at last week, they were the sheepfold. Jesus came to lead his sheep, the Jews, out of the law, out of the the sheepfold of Judaism that they were stuck in, stuck in their sin, stuck in the law. They couldn't keep the law. And he came to deliver them from that, these very ones that he's talking to. Jesus came as their shepherd to lead them out, to lead them out of this sheepfold under the law into the fold of his sheep, this new fold, this new flock, now under grace. Galatians 3, 24 and 25 says, Therefore the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. But after faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. What was required of them was faith. Faith to believe in Him. Believe who He is. Believe what He says. And that was their problem. They just just didn't believe. They didn't believe and they were insisting that the sheep continue to follow them, follow their way, Judaism, the law. They didn't like someone coming in and upsetting the whole system. And that's what Jesus was doing. So these thieves and robbers were trying to lead the flock, the sheep, in some other way. Now a thief implies deception and and trickery. A robber implies violence and destruction. And these take away life, but Jesus gives life And he gives it abundantly. So the sheep couldn't keep the law. The law would lead to sin and death. The law was given as a tutor to bring them to Christ, the true shepherd, to believe in him and what he taught gave them life, not death and sin, and not just life, but abundant life. Now that would be the definition of a good shepherd. I think. And so as a sheep... I would want to follow a good shepherd, not a a bad shepherd. Wouldn't we all agree? Because a bad shepherd doesn't guide, provide, and protect, so why would I want to follow a bad shepherd? You might say, well, what if as a sheep, I don't have a choice. But that's just it. As a sheep, we do have a choice, don't we? We have a choice to choose between a good shepherd or a bad shepherd. And Jesus says in verse 11, I am the good shepherd. He says, I am the door. And he says, I am the good shepherd. I am. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But a hireling, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep and I am known by my own. So some definitions here. A hireling, a bad shepherd. He thinks that the flock exists for his benefit. But Jesus, the good shepherd, it says, lives and dies for the good of the sheep. The good shepherd sacrifices for the sheep. The good shepherd knows his sheep. The good shepherd is known by his sheep. I am the good shepherd. Now if you've been with us For any length of time through our study through the book of John, we have seen a number of these I am statements. Three so far. This is the fourth one. I am. These declarations recorded only in John's gospel, these, these seven. All of these I am proclamations point to his unique divine identity and purpose. Because immediately after declaring that he is the door in verse seven, Jesus declares, I am the good shepherd. He describes himself as not only the shepherd, but the good shepherd, as we saw. It should be understood that Jesus is the good shepherd, not just a good shepherd, right? Now, as a pastor, by definition, I am a shepherd, a shepherd of a flock. But I have to always remember that I am just a shepherd. I'm not the shepherd. Only Jesus is the shepherd. And as a shepherd, I must also follow the shepherd myself to lead his flock in his way. If I'm trying to do things on my own, if I'm not following the shepherd, who knows where I'm going to lead you guys, right? Who knows where it's going to go? I know that there are several here that will—they keep me in accountability. If I'm moving in a direction I shouldn't go, they will call me out on that. But I am to be committed myself as a shepherd of a flock to be under the guidance and direction of the shepherd. So without that focus, I'm just not a good shepherd. I'm a bad shepherd. There are a lot of bad shepherds out there. There's a lot of bad teaching. There's a lot of false teaching. And so all of those that are proclaiming those things, they're just bad shepherds. They're not caring for the flock. We need to depend upon the guidance and direction of the Good Shepherd, the only true shepherd. So the faithful pastor will, as an under-shepherd of the Good Shepherd, will display the same characteristics as the Good Shepherd. He'll sacrifice for the sheep, he'll know the sheep, and he'll be known by the sheep. He'll be a shepherd and not a hireling who does not care about the sheep. If they're in the ministry for their own glory, if they're in it for... The money? I can honestly tell you I am not in it for the money. (laughs) I think that there are many, many, many pastors out there that are not in it for the money. They just want to serve the Lord. And so that's a good thing. I think that's a really good thing to start off with as a pastor because then you care for the flock regardless of whatever bennies there may be on the side, right? So... A faithful pastor will always be an under-shepherd of Jesus Christ Himself. He says also, I lay down My life for the sheep. In verse 16, Another sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they will hear My voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. We talked about this a little bit last week. Because Jesus was sent be a sacrifice for the whole world. Not just the Jews, but also the Gentiles. And we got to praise God from that last week because, why? We're Gentiles, aren't we? We needed this to happen. We needed Him to come for the Gentiles as well. They are also those that He's going to bring into His flock. So this is proof positive in this text that what He was talking about previously when He referenced the sheepfold was what? Israel, the Jews. Now he's saying, other sheep I have which are not of this fold. They're not of Israel. They're not uh, Jews. They're Gentiles. He came for them as well. Verse 17, Therefore my Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have the power to lay it down and I have the power to take it again. This command I have received from my Father. So he says, other sheep I have which are not in this fold. These other Gentile believers that he's referencing. But he said, there's one flock and one shepherd. And Jesus calls these sheep from more than one fold. And he says, therefore, my Father loves me. Now, anyone can lay down his life, couldn't we? I could be crossing the street. You know, we, uh, typically before the service on Saturdays, a lot of times we'll walk across the street to see the progress on the building. And if there was a car barreling down the street, paying no attention to the light, any one of us could throw ourselves in front of that car so as to hopefully deter him from hitting a whole bunch of other people. That would be laying down your life for sheep, wouldn't it? But what does he say? He will also take it up again. So anyone can lay down their life, but only Jesus can take his life up again. Because Jesus has the power to take up his own life. It's evidence of this unique relationship he has with the Father. He says that I may take it again. I have the power to take it again. In this sense, we could say that Jesus raised himself from the dead, couldn't we? We could say that. He's God. He had the power to lay down his life and he had the power to take it up again. He said, this command I have received from my Father... So it was a part of the plan to submit to death and then to emerge from it victoriously alive according to the command received from God the Father. It was all a part of God's divine plan to provide a way out of the law of sin and death. Jesus was the way out. We know that. Those of us who have made that decision to accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we know, we've experienced the fact that He is He was our way out, don't we? We know that. We've seen that to be true. He was the good shepherd to lead the flock out of the fold of the law, Judaism, and into his fold, the Father's fold of grace. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, well-known verses that we uh, reference often. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. By the grace of God, we can be saved and led out by the Good Shepherd. God says, here's my gift that I offer you. I'm going to send my son to lead you out of your sin, Judaism, the law, that you can't lead yourself out by, by keeping the law, because that's not possible. Because of that, I offer to you as a gift, my son, the Good Shepherd, the only one that can lead you out So that you can become a part of the true flock of God. Again, who is he talking to here? He's talking to these religious leaders. He's trying to get through to them. He's giving them facts about himself. He's giving them truth that comes from the Father. And they're just not listening. So faith is mentioned. This faith, trusting and believing and knowing... That Jesus, as the Good Shepherd, can accomplish what He says He can, what God says He can. What those of us who believe, who are one of His flock, know that He did. Because He is our Good Shepherd. Amen? Amen.